Have you ever had someone say to you, why are you putting up walls? I'm trying to get through to you, but it seems like you have a wall up. And you may think to yourself, well, I don't think I have a wall up. I don't have any, anything. I'm, 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 I'm wide open, but this person or people or someone is saying to you, I feel like there's some kind of wall I just can't seem to get through to you. And these walls that we often create or put in place are there to protect us in some way. Sometimes we create these walls after we've come out of some kind of period of hurt or some kind of period of devastation or some kind of trauma. And so what we do is, subconsciously usually, is we create a wall because our, our body, our mind, we were created with a fight or flight kind of response. But part of the fight or the flight response comes with knowing how to protect yourself so that the thing does not happen again emotionally to you. So we put up these walls. Sometimes we have these walls that we don't even know about, which is why people will ask, why are you putting up a wall? A wall is meant to protect and to defend. The walls that we use to put up emotionally are used to protect and defend. The walls that people used to put around cities were used to protect and defend and to look out to see if there are any other enemies that are out there coming this particular way. One could argue that walls around cities were once useful, but they're no longer useful anymore. One can argue that walls around countries were useful, but they're no longer useful anymore. The interesting thing about a wall is that a wall works if you use it appropriately and know why the wall is there in the first place. Part of the challenge with us as individuals with walls and as a country with walls is that we don't know the appropriate time to put a wall up. A wall should be put up to protect and defend things that are precious. Walls can help defend and protect and keep in civility and normalcy and love and justice. Walls can help defend those things, but sometimes we use walls to keep people out from places that we need to be letting people into. I ain't just talking about the country, I'm talking about you as an individual too. But you get the double entendre, you're gonna have to work with it today. Walls can be used to allow people to come in as well too, not just to keep people out. A wall is not a bad thing, a wall is just a wall and you have to know how to use the wall at the appropriate time. Walls are there for protection. In our scripture today, in Isaiah 58, <laughs> the version that I am preaching from today is the one that says, your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Lots of people preach on the repairers of the breach. 
Most often it's about a breach in justice, a breach in love, a breach in understanding, a breach in, in humanity. But I, 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 when I, when I was reading this, I said, what is this breach and where is this particular breach? What is happening? And what is happening is they have come back to Jerusalem and the walls have been devastated. The walls of Jerusalem have been broken down. If you've been in church any time or if you've looked at any kind of ancient Near Eastern history or documentaries on TV, you probably know of this guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, yes. Nebuchadnezzar was a Babylonian king. <laughs> and right around 497 BC, he decided that he was going to lay siege to Jerusalem. So the walls that Jerusalem had put up to protect themselves did not stand up or hold up long enough because Nebuchadnezzar decided, I will wait them out and I will also continue to pound upon this wall until the wall is breached and I can get into this city. Nebuchadnezzar was mad at Jerusalem because he had once been there and laid siege to him and took power there. And he said, I tell you what, I'm going to take one of your own people, put them in as king and let them rule over you. But I am going to be the one that runs them. This is a Babylonian tactic. Does this sound familiar like it's happening anywhere in the world right now? So, so he said, the Babylonian king, I'm going to put one of you in place to rule over the rest of you. So then the king that's put in place, his name, uh, you might uh, know this name as well too, Zedekiah. See, I'm giving you, you've heard these names, but you don't know the biblical history. So Zedekiah decided, well, I cannot be this stooge that the Babylonian king wants me to be, so I'm going to align myself with somebody in Egypt. Well, Nebuchadnezzar did not like that, so Nebuchadnezzar came back, pounded on them walls again, took the city again, and then he rounded up all the elite people and took them back to Babylon and left a few people there in Jerusalem. Through all of this, the walls have been devastated in Jerusalem. The temple has been devastated in Jerusalem. And then another empire rises up called the Persian Empire. And the Persian Empire then takes over Babylon and then sends the elites back to Jerusalem. And now the people have been reunited and they are standing there staring at the city and the prophet Isaiah declares a word of hope and says, your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairers of the breach, the restorers of streets to live in. Prophets don't always tell you where you are wrong. Prophets also should be speaking a word of hope and a word of encouragement in the midst of despair. These exiles have returned home and their walls have been devastated. The Babylonians have indeed done a number on them, ran off with their people of power, ran off with their healthy sense of community and culture, ran off with any kind of pride that they can have in their religion as a people, ran off and decimated their entire city by breaching this wall. The question 
I have for you today is who are your Babylonians? Who are your Babylonians? Who has breached your walls and run off with something that is important and dear to you? In Grace Walk, in the Grace Walk experience we're going through on Wednesdays, we've learned that we are a triune being, body, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Your soul makes up your mind and your will and your emotions. Your spirit, I would refer to it as your Christ self, your Christ consciousness, your God. So when, when God said, let us make man in our image, that is the thing that you are. That is your true self, is your Christ self, your higher self, your spirit, which inhabits this body and this soul. When you are putting up walls and keeping people out for particular reasons, you are putting up a wall in your soul because that is in your mind that has to do with your will, that has to do with your emotions. So my question is, is it possible that some Babylonians have entered into your life and breached some walls and ran off with some things that you need to be successful in life? Have the Babylonians come in and robbed you of your of dignity? Have the Babylonians come in and robbed you of your ability to see beyond your situation? Have the Babylonians come in and robbed you of even thinking that you are worthy of love? It is not love that you need to be walling off. Walling off. It is the capacity of love that needs to remain open. So what Babylonians do you have? What wall in your life has been breached in a way that you need to repair it? You see, there's a lot of churches that are out there preaching this passage from a justice perspective, telling you that you got to get out there and go repair the breach and make your country better and your community better. But I would submit to you, before you hit them streets, you better make sure that you have fixed the walls that have been breached in your life. If you don't fix the walls that have been breached in your life, you are no damn good to nobody nowhere. If your walls have been breached to the point to where you can't love yourself, you can't trust yourself, you can't trust nobody else, then the Babylonians have already won. You can't wait on Persia to bring you back. You got to bring yourself back. Come out of exile, come out of the breach, and repair it in the name of Jesus. It's good to want to love and to support and to be political activists and to pick your party or whichever one you want to be in and to get out there and work hard to make the world a better place. I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is, is it's a lot of hurt people running for office and out there politicking and trying to make a world a better place and they've been breached. The Babylonians have run off with something important. See, this is why you sell yourself to different corporate interests. It's because your walls have already been breached and somebody has run off with your integrity. 
So before you run, before you go try to stand up for somebody, you might want to ask yourself, is there something that I need to do inside of me? Is there something inside of me that God needs to do so that I can be strong when I hit those streets? Is there a breach inside of me that I need to fix before I try to go fix a breach somewhere else? You may have heard it said, remove the log out of your own eye before Amen. Thank you, Mom. She finished it for me. This is where, you know, there's a lot of, I've said this before, I, got, I, got, I have a lot of degrees, and I'm a good rational thinking person. If I wanted to, I could think my way out of believing what I believe. Because body, soul, and spirit. The mind has a way of doing a whole lot of different things. A whole lot of different things. But what I've come to understand is no matter how much I think I know or how much science and factual stuff that exists in the world, <laughs> So far, I have learned <laughs> there's only two things that can help fix me. That's Jesus and a good therapist. You ain't gonna get that everywhere, but you need prayers and thoughts cannot fix some of the stuff that is going on in your life. Sometimes it's not just Jesus, it is Jesus plus the therapy. <laughs> you need to get your mind right so your ass can get in gear, somebody used to say. So, 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 so don't get it twisted around therapy. It is, it is, this is a mental health kind of church. You're not gonna hear something counter to that. You need Jesus and a therapist, both of them. And when you graduate, get you Jesus Jesus, a therapist, and a spiritual director. I'm only going to pray for you so many times. We ain't going to spend eight, eight months on the same issue. You will get a referral from me. I will tell you, you, in fact, I will say, let me give you the number of somebody that has helped me out. I don't lie to you. I'm telling you. The point to be made here is that you may be wondering if my walls have been breached, if the Babylonians have run off with parts of me and, and I can't seem to figure out who I am or what God is calling me to do or I feel uncomfortable in my own skin or, or the, the political situation is getting to me or I'm tired of always being the one that's out there pleading to help people and nobody is standing. If you find that you feel as though your walls have been breached and you are missing something, then it's a good opportunity to get your mind, your will, and your emotions in check. It's a good opportunity to start thinking about how can my spirit self help fix my soul. Because here's the other thing most people aren't going to tell you. Some of the illness in your body is because your walls in your soul have been breached. Yes. Your allergies, your irritable bowel syndrome, all that other kind of stuff. Your nerves are just bad. And if you can get your soul right, if you can repair the breach, 
then your body will get in line. You may think, well, this church thing, you know, you probably wake up on a Sunday morning, and if you're like me or how I was before I became senior pastor, uh, <laughs> you're out late Saturday night, you may wake up and think, you know, I maybe hmm, I could sleep in today. I don't need to go to the church house. Maybe this church thing is not worth it. Maybe with all of my education, I understand that, you know, uh, the scientists have found the God particle, so maybe God is not exactly how we understood God to be, and so I think that I now know more than everybody else, and so I'm smart enough to where I don't need God, I don't need community, I don't need anybody. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> this is good. She gonna help me preach it. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good, you're good. But that is wrong. You may be asking, how do I connect my spirit to my mind? How do I strengthen my spirit so that it can heal my mind? One way is to make sure you're in a good church <laughs> that is going to make you heal. See, we used to think church was just because mama and them went and grandma and them went, and the generation before them, they went and they took us as children. And we, you know, at one point, we were in a period of where we just played church because it was what we had to do because that's what we inherited. I'm saying to you, it's time to stop playing church. It's time to go home and maybe listen to that sermon about Kulara and let it sink into your life. It's time to go home to once this video is up to listen to it and think about how do you get your soul, body, and mind and spirit back in alignment. All that frustration and tension that's bound up in you, the first person cuts you off in the traffic, you flip them off, you've got to get your mind and your body and your soul right. At least give it five miles. That's what I do. I say, Lord, I'm a, <laughs> I'll go five miles. Somebody cut me off after this. I can't promise that 